and welcome to the Great British Mickey Waffle. Lloyd here at the helm today, and I'm joined by fellow wafflers, Ben, Becca, and Sammy. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 Right, today we're also lucky enough to be joined by a very special guest. He is the creator of the DSNY newscast that has a whopping 139,000 subscribers to the YouTube channel alone, not to mention the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook followers. Please give a very warm waffle welcome to Jack Kendall. Hello there, everybody. Hi. Hi, um, hi, hi Samantha. Hi, <laughs> Becca, Ben, and Lloyd. Hello there, everybody, and everyone who's listening. Uh, thanks, Jack. Thanks for being with us today. Um, as a creator, host, editor, journalist, reporter, <laughs> merchandiser, and everything else under the sun for the DSMY newscast, we're shocked you found the time for us. So, uh, yeah, big waffle thank you to you, mate. Jack of um, all trades, that's it. <laughs> as a, uh, as a D- Disney-loving podcast, um, we've obviously tuned into your channel a lot over the past uh, few years, and um, we use the uh, information you give us, uh, especially when we're, we're uh, arranging our, our upcoming uh, Disney vacations, or just to keep abreast of what's going on. But we were shocked to find at least one of our presenters hadn't come across your content yet. And uh, I won't name names. Um, I am maybe not on surprised, this call. to be honest. <laughs> I'll let you in on a little secret about My channel's not very big in the UK. Um, it's probably, I, I get around 78% of my viewership from America. Um, and then I've only got like around 8% viewership from the UK. Uh, and then the rest is like, you know, like split up across the rest of the world. So, um, I yeah, I'm not surprised to be honest. I never get spotted in the UK or anything like that. Um, it's only whenever I go to a Disney location, which is nice in many ways because you know you can be on your best behaviour. You know that people are going to be, you know, watch uh, looking out and oh that's Jack, you know. And because also being like recognised or spotted uh, can also sometimes take you a bit, you know, a bit off guard, <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, do I actually know you or, or do you, you just know me? I you know it's it's hard. Um, so if if it was happening in the UK, I'd be like, are you a friend from university? Do I do I know you from, you know, do, do we used to work together? I don't know. You know, yeah. it'll be like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of it, it's kind of OK with me. That's not too large in the UK. <laughs> ben and Becca have got a little story about when they recognised your voice when they're walking around. Yeah, it was at Ep- really? Ep- Epcot last year. We met you really? at Epcot. Yeah, um, probably our first day. One of our no, first days of last I don't trip. I know when it was. It was some point during the trip. Yep. Um, what, in Epcot, what, we were walking out the International you? Gateway and we heard your voice and we just turned around and it's like you had your phone in your hand recording and talk about Ratatouille. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I vaguely remember because I did a lot of I did lots of uh, recording around that time. Yes, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. I, I do yeah, actually the, remember. Those two strange Rangers. people that walked up to you and said hello. Oh. Was it, was it, uh, was this, um, like late last year. Yeah, November. yeah, November. I think we're talking yeah, about yeah. Mary Poppins ride that isn't now happening. That's it. And I, I think it was not too long after the Skyliner incident. Um, and I was, I had other people come up to me and speak to me about it at the same time or something like that. And I ended up speaking to them about it as well, because uh, that was a crazy thing. You know, the way everyone covered that, you thought the world was ending, and then we get to 2020, and uh... <laughs> well, it was actually ending. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, you know, two little gondolas touching together and people think, you know, oh, my God, I'm never going to ride it again. Yeah. Um, now we can't never mind. But <laughs> yeah, no, I can't and you can't and no one can. And I'm, I'm actually very annoyed about the, the travel ban because uh, my girlfriend lives out in Orlando. 
and I haven't seen her for six months now. Uh, and wow. the end of this month will be seven because uh, she just came to the UK uh, in February just before the whole thing happened. And I was debating whether I should fly back out there on March 1st. And I was like, no, no, I've got my flight planned for April 1st. I'm going to stick to that. And uh, you can see where I'm going with this one. It was an <laughs> April 1st on me, wasn't it? Um, oh, no, so, yeah, that no, must that, be horrible. Yeah, it, it's, you know, but I don't know. It, it We FaceTime every single day. And in many ways, if you can make it through something like this, um, I feel like we've become stronger in our relationship because of it. But yeah. it's also that we we were always um, long distance. You know, we spend parts of the year together, parts of the year apart because of the nature of transatlantic relationships like that. Um, so we were kind of already prepared. It's not like we were new into the relationships. Like, but this one has been the most difficult because obviously all the things that have happened this year and, you know, it, it's just it's just been a terrible year in many ways. And I've had personal uh, family affairs that have like, you know, um, I, I, I've lost members of my family and it's just it's been it's been a difficult year and not being able to go over and, and see your your partner it's it's very difficult so um but you know i'm not don't want to be a down on the podcast <laughs> i'm sure you'll just, see her soon yeah, yeah, yeah you will yeah. yeah hopefully they're talking about it so maybe i don't know yeah. it's always just not knowing that end in sight it's like whenever we think yeah. about our next trip it's like we've already pushed ours back from august to november poor lloyd's had to push his um, back from last march to next may yeah it's me yeah. well at least you'll be able to lloyd at least you'll be able to um you know experience some of the celebrations for the 50th that way I mean, yeah. bright siders, they'll be looking to start the 50th celebration probably April or May, um, like an unofficial kickoff to it, uh, depending cool. on the pandemic. But yeah, it, it's thrown a, a spanner in the works for many things at the moment uh, yeah. in Disney. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll all get over there one day. Yeah. One day. One day. Yeah. It, it's still there waiting for us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, our listenership is, is mostly UK uh, for our podcast. So for our listeners, um, can you give sort of a, a carousel of progress summary of what the DSMY newscast is? Right. OK. Um, I'm not going to sing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I haven't got, I haven't got a, a intro song for my channel. No. Um, so basically, DSMY newscast, it began back in 2017. And uh, it's, it's just a way to... Uh, I wanted to update Disney fans in the most succinct way possible, but most importantly, not just like tell and read the news because anyone can just like hold a piece of paper and read the news. I wanted to um, explain the news. So that's what made my videos different to other news videos and stuff like that. So I always saw as I'm, I was always more interested in the Disney parks than uh, movies, but I do cover Disney movies as well. Also, there's a lot more to explain with Dis Disney Park editions and stuff like that. So basically, the channel covers every Disney park around the world. Um, I don't discriminate against any of them. Every single one's covered and covered kind of equally. Yeah, Walt Disney World does get more coverage because it's got four parks, but it's usually in proportion or ratio to the amount of parks that they have and the amount of projects that they've got going on. So um, the only thing I should probably cover more is Disney Cruise Line. I just don't. Uh, I was hoping to cover it more as the new ships were, were developed, but I don't know what's happening with that at the moment, um, except for the one ship that they've already announced. Um, but in terms of, you know, the channel, I'm covering news. Uh, I used to cover it three times a week, cover it twice a week now because the videos got longer. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also going to be introducing new content alongside opinion pieces, more interesting like discussion pieces, not like 
you know, just randomly talking properly scripted discussion pieces like video essays on certain things which I think need to be discussed within the Disney community because like uh, homogenization within the Disney parks, you know, the clone culture, uh, Disney parks and IPs and are they being overused, things like that. Many different uh, things that need to be talked about. Is FastPass actually a good system or, you know, what, what should we be doing instead? Things that should get a discussion going. Uh, I'm hoping to move in that sort of direction with the channel um, over the next uh, couple of months. That's cool. Like uh, Disney TED Talks. So, I hadn't actually thought about it like that. Yeah, but yeah, I, I suppose... Yeah, that's actually a good way of actually uh, framing it because, yeah, it, I mean, I, I want to see more engagement on the channel because I, you, the, when the videos began, I got, like, huge engagement on the channel. And then, like, you know, it, stayed, it leveled off to around 250 comments per video, which is very good. I mean, I, I read all the comments and I write back to many of them. But I'd like to really get an engagement and community going in the comment section. And like, if you start to talk more about discussion topics rather than just delivering the news, um, it gets that discussion going and it gets other, other Disney fans interacting with each other in the comment section. So um, that's kind of like part of part of the strategy there. And um, and I'm also doing Waltoneering, which is like an armchair imagineering series of not only things I'd like to see within the Disney parks, but also correcting why I think that Disney could have done better. Um, which is an important thing, which I I had a comment on Twitter last night. Someone said, you've been so negative on Disney recently. You know, what happened to the cheery uh, DS1 newscast? I'm like, look, I'm not, not cheery. I'm just truthful about it. And Disney had made some questionable decisions recently. And I'm not going to defend them if they're if they're making some questionable decisions i when things are going well and there's no nothing to question yeah i'll be, i'll get my pom-poms out and i'll cheerlead for disney but um i i just feel that there are certain areas that they could improve on and uh, and it's it's always i always give a suggestion always give a a solution to the problem thanks for that jack i think um certainly with with all the the extra content you're bringing as well sammy will definitely uh, be tuning in of course always <laughs> If you're ready, we're, uh, we'd like to ask you a few questions just to um, see how what makes Jack tick. It's our yeah, carousel sure. of questions. Um, so we're all going to ask you, uh, uh, we're going to take turns asking the questions. Um, no judgment, just to okay. yeah. give the answer as it, as it pops into your head. And um, yeah, if you want to expand on any of them as well, just uh, just let us know why, why you've picked them if you want to. If not, we can just uh, quick fire them as well. Um, so if you're ready, uh, we'll kick off. Um, first question. Did you pay for Mulan? I did not, no. And oh, I will am not I the only one who's paid for it? <laughs> so no, I, <laughs> do you, I mean, so you three, Becca, Ben and Lloyd, you, you weren't interested in it or, yeah. We're um, still umming and ahhing. Mm. I'm tempted. Mulan's not always been my favourite film. I need to rewatch the animation. But then part of me thinks that I'd watch that and then I can wait three months for it to come on Disney Plus in December without paying 20 quid yeah. for it. Yeah, I'm it, such a movie fan. Like, I just I'm craving new movies, and fun, yeah. the original Mulan was probably top three favorite um, Disney movies for me. Like, I love it. Um, so I had to I had to buy it. But it's a thing about it's got no Mushu, it's got no songs. Um, I didn't I, say it was good. <laughs> I also I'm also a little bit cynical about what Disney were doing um, because. The, the thing is clearly they're trying to break into the Chinese movie, movie market and um, 
you know, if you don't know China's policy, they only allow cer- a certain percentage of international uh, movies to be played within their market. And so uh, Bob Iger has a fairly good relationship with um, the Chinese government, which is a whole different debate for a whole different day. But, um, you know, because that, that will eventually get discussed at some point. Uh, I'm, I'm sure about his career and his legacy. But... Um, you know, I feel like what they were trying to do, if the pandemic hadn't come along, was have their very first one billion dollar movie in China, which would have been realistic. You know, we've made a billion dollars in China because Zootopia made a huge amount in, in China. And I just feel like they were they were playing very much to that audience. They've even got the Shanghai Castle in the intro of Mulan. And um, I just feel that they it, it was a bit of um it was trying to play to that audience rather than actually trying to create the best movie for Disney fans. And um, I feel like they've, they haven't really hit both audiences very well. Like if they're really going to want to play to the Chinese audience, make a truly original Chinese movie. Like, you know, something completely original to China. Um, Don't, don't try and make it a, you know, a live action remake of one of their animated classics. And then, you know, the actual Disney fans that know Mulan, they're a bit isolated because they're like, where's Mushu? Where's the songs? So it's just, I didn't feel like it was a winning strategy with the movie, to be honest. I think it's more of a test so they can see going forward with cinemas possibly not reopening all around the world, that whether it's what the engagement is of people paying that extra price to see it, because people might not want to go to cinema because they don't feel it's safe after COVID. Um, and they they're happily pay £20 to stay inside but still want to see a blockbuster film yeah my, my, my only problem with that is if you're wanting to get a certain answer out of a test pick a stronger movie to do it with like black widow would have been a, a much better test subject because that marvel fan base we could really test them you know if it's that one i would have broke yeah if yeah if this was happening last year i probably said the best film to have done it on would have been lion king yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just because I that would have been agree. the perfect sort of or film. Or Toy Story. Toy Story would have been a fairly good one as yeah, well. That's true. Um, but I, I just feel like the the idea that you know you're, you're trying to pioneer a whole new section of the industry, and clearly they want to do it. Clearly they see a. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't be putting it on Disney Plus if they were wanting it to fail. So why not pick a stronger? Because they they have research on these things. You know, to gauge the interest in in a movie coming out. I, I would have picked a, a stronger movie and maybe waited till November and, and done it with Black Widow. But they obviously don't want to lose out on the potential box office of Black Widow in the cinema. OK, so next question, your favourite Disney park. Mm, OK, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to break it into two categories um, in in terms of Walt Disney World favourite park um, and then uh, international. So um, Disneyland Paris is always my home park. So, um, yeah, I, I always consider that like, you know, the one which I frequent the most and have been to the most over my over my years. Um, so that's always going to become my home part. But the one which I love the most is uh, is definitely Epcot. Um, I'm an Epcot guy through and through. Uh, I love that park. Um, M, you know, MGM or Disney's Hollywood Studios has grown on me uh, in recent years, but I the thing that annoys me about that park is the layout. It's just so, it's so illogical. Um, and my least favorite of Walt Disney World is probably 
Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I get people don't like it when I say it, but um, it just doesn't feel Disney for me. Um, but I, I love, you know, Kilimanjaro safaris and stuff like that. But it's just never, you know, it's not my most favourite. <laughs> Is it Dino Lander that does it? Uh, no, I actually quite like the dinosaur Dino Lander. <laughs> um, I. I'm just not a massive Avatar guy. Uh, I, I'm not massively into uh, Flight of Passage, and I quite like Narve River Journey. Just wish it was longer. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just not. I'm just not a massive uh, Avatar guy. So no, I, mean, I think if it. they took out sort of Dino Land area and just re- put Wakanda in there, it would be amazing. My issue with that is, well, obviously they can't do it, but also I I don't know if that would really could because. Black Panther is a story about, you know, um, it, it, it's representing a whole culture. And to, just to put that culture in Disney's Animal Kingdom, because he is called the, the Black Panther, uh, I don't really think that makes a ton of sense. I feel like I saw someone recently suggest Epcot. And I'm like, yeah, if, if anywhere, maybe, you know, if they'd have taken over a pavilion within Future World, that would have made more sense. Sort of culture representation, sort of more yeah. of that side of it than... I'm wondering if in like Black Panther, whether they do it with Black Panther too, because I know there was a bit of mention in the film about how like they do conservation things. That could be sort of a link into it, but it's just possibly. Depends I mean, how they do it. I mean, you you seen what they're doing with Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind and the whole, um, you know, the outreach program with the Zandarians and stuff like that. Like they could do it with Wakanda in Epcot if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Okay, question two. So, ride that you hate. Uh, ride that I hate. Um, God, I'm trying to think of one which I absolutely... Well, I wouldn't say I hate it. Uh, I just don't like it very much. Uh, Flight of Passage, but I don't hate it. That, that's, that's, that would just be... I'm just trying to think of one off the top of my head now. Um, uh, uh, can't really think of one. Carly River Rapids, I don't... Love that. I kind of hate that because I don't like getting very wet on rides. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put Carly with Rapids down it's as well. It's a disappointing water ride as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah. better water rides that you'd get more wet on, like other parks. Barges, barges at, um, Universal. Universal. Yeah, Universal, definitely. <laughs> you want to get wet, go on those ones. Yeah. Um, so, most overrated snack? Ooh, um. <laughs> The churro. I know I'm gonna get. <laughs> I know I'm gonna get people go. How dare you say it about churro? I I like a churro, um, but I would say when you get around three quarters of the way down, you start to get too much cinnamon in your mouth, and it's that dry dryness in in your mouth that you go. Eh, I, I peel off a bit too much. You know, bitting off more than I can chew with this. That's why I should be saying that. I was trying to say. <laughs> Uh, I was stumbling over my words, um, but yeah, no, it's it's just it, it's a bit dry, and unless you have a drink with a churro, you know, it can be a bit it can be a bit too dry. Favorite transportation mode in Walt Disney World? Um, it used to be monorail, but I would actually say I prefer the Skyliner now. Um, if it connected more parks, I would I would choose a Skyliner because you not only get the good breeze and the airflow, but Oftentimes, middle of the day, you can hop on there and get a cabin all to yourself, which is very nice to just, you know, relax and uh, and decompress from, you know, the parks and then head back into the parks again. It's nice. Okay, so favourite table service restaurant? Oh, um, 
Favourite table service restaurant? You see, the thing is, I haven't been to a lot of them because um, I've, I have been to more since uh, living out there. Um, so I've been to Sanar and, um, and the ones at Animal Kingdom and uh, I've been to, uh, you know, a lot of the resort ones, you know, obviously Polynesian and stuff like that. Uh, but I would actually say my favourite, uh, what's, what's the name of it in Animal Kingdom Lodge? It's not Sanar. What's the other one called in Animal Kingdom? Boma. 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 I really liked Boma, that's it. Um, and the, you know, the buffet styles that keep getting up and getting, and they have really good food there. So I liked Boma an awful lot. But, um, yeah, I, I don't mind um, the one at, at uh, Fort Wilderness. Um, it's not hoopty doo it's the one next to it. Trails I, End. I'm Trails End, yeah. I, I don't mind that, but I don't love the food there as much as Boma. Boma's, Boma's my prefer, preferred favourite there. We tried Trails End once, and it was just sort of... I found it a bit... It was un- okay. Un- it was okay, yeah. It was a very good price, very good value for what you got for a buffet. I grew up not really going to the Disney restaurants because my family... <laughs> As I would say, we're, we were frugal or, or a bit cheap the way we went on our Disney holidays because Disney can get very expensive. So we were the family that um, uh, used to butter bread rolls and stuff those into a bag and like take sandwiches into the park and like, you know, it'd be midday and my dad would be like, oh, OK, everyone's having a sandwich now and we'd be sat there, you know, near Mission Space or whatever. <laughs> everyone gets out a, everyone gets out a sandwich Your and we're, just, uh, <laughs> we're those British people. Um <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's that's what we used to do. So we didn't used to eat out an awful lot because there were six of us. So when you go to a restaurant, that can get quite expensive fairly quickly. But we used to we went to a Blue Bayou once in Disneyland Paris. That was nice. And we did we did go to Plant Hollywood and things like that. But yeah. Okay. So a resort that you haven't stayed at but want to more than anything else on Earth. Uh, um. I would actually really like to stay at the um, Grand Californian in Disneyland Resort um, because I feel like that's got such a, I love the theming of it. I love the like the Yosemite theming of it. I really like the contemporary and I really like Grand Floridian, but the Grand Californian uh, has that view into Disney California Adventure. And I just love that because I also love um, uh not Fort Wilderness. I also love Wilderness Lodge in, in Walt Disney World. And I love that whole kind of rustic. It's a bit like the Sequoia Lodge in Disneyland Paris. I love that kind of Yosemite vibe to it. But I feel like the Grand Californian is like the best of the best of that kind of like uh, rustic, you know, um, outdoorsy lodge kind of hotel. I love that. Yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. It's an expensive choice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't stay at it. But yeah. I think all the Disney Deluxe hotels are lovely. Yeah, just even yeah. Just spending time just going around them, just exploring is just nice to. Yeah, I mean Polynesian is also one which would be on my list because I really love a Polynesian and really the history of that one as well. I'd, I'd put that above contemporary, I'd say. But um, yeah, all, all of them are really nice, but uh, ex- except for I'd say some some of their recent designs have been a little bland. Um, Riviera has got great reviews from like lots of people saying you know how, how nice it is but from the outside and it just looks a little a little bland from the outside but people say the service there is amazing and, and you know the things they offer are great and grand and the um grandestino one as well they just but it, it just annoys me that like the style of the buildings have become a little bit oh we're going to build this great big block tower instead of like what they used to do with like grand 
uh, Grand Floridian and Polynesian where it's lower to the ground and it was spread out a bit more and it fit the theme of the, I don't know. Yeah. No, I understand that. Okay. Yeah. Favourite car park? <laughs> what is this question? Like, who who made this question up? I'm going to blame John for this I question. I think it was John's question. I, I bet right. it was John. You guys go out to Walt Disney World. Do you park, do you rent a car and do you drive? No. No. We don't. Yes. No? I do. Yeah. So, so you'll know what I'm talking about with the car parks, right? So at the very bottom of the car parks, I, in my opinion, is Dak. Uh, I don't like their, their tram service, and I, I, I always get confused in that car park. Uh, I don't really like the navigation of it. Um, Hollywood Studios has become better uh, since the refurb, since the whole revamp of that car park. Um, Magic Kingdom, I like it if you can get close to the front, but if it's a long walk if you're... If you're if it's a busy day at Magic Kingdom, and also just parking up at the TTC and then trying to travel across and doing it, it's like uh, it's a big long uh, you know journey on over. So I would say my favourite is Epcot. Um, it's simple, and especially with the new tram system they just put in, where you, you ride up to the gate, it's it's fantastic. So I I, I would choose Epcot for my favourite. So I do actually have a favourite car park. That's the most well, expansive answer. Of all the people who've asked, that's the most expansive really answer. Terrible. I know when, I love that answer. I spent six months, I, you know, last year I spent six months out there and I rented a car all the time. And um, obviously when you go go to the parks to do some filming like I do, you, you sometimes have to go in and out very quickly. And, and you get to know the car parks and which ones you, you like and which ones you know quite quickly. Yeah. Um, typhoon. Blizzard or Volcano Bay? I can't comment on Volcano Bay. I haven't experienced it. Um, it's amazing. I would like to, but I also don't want to be electrified. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I always used to say Typhoon Lagoon, but um, my answer in recent years has changed to Blizzard Beach. I prefer that. Yeah. Is there like a reason you prefer it? Um, because it's because I always thought Typhoon Lagoon was awesome because of the wave pool, as most people would. But I experienced it more recently as an adult, and I was just like, oh, you know, it, it's actually not that fun. It, it's it's <laughs> so right. but then you go over to Blizzard Beach, and they've got back. They've got they haven't got a wave pool. They've got um, I don't know what they'd call it, but it it simulates kind of like a a, a choppy not, water kind of thing. Yeah, 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 choppy water. Yeah, that's that's a good way of describing it, and. And that is what they have there. And I find that much more fun than, than you know, a great big wave coming over you. And then you've also got some at Plummet and you've got some great uh, slides over in, over in Blizzard Beach. Cool. I do so miss I think... the, uh, the shark reef at Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah. yeah, they, that, yeah. that was awesome. Swimming through yeah. there with the nurse sharks at the bottom. And I think there, was, there were baby hammerheads in there the last time I went in there. So one of the parts experience. I'd also tr- like to try the one at SeaWorld, the um, SeaWorld water park, what's it called? Uh, Aquatica. Oh, Aquatica, yeah. yeah. I'd like to try that one as well at some point. But, yeah. We'll get but not Volcano Bay? Well, I, I don't know. Volcano Bay is so beautiful, like it's stunning. I just, I... Um, I'm fighting I, I, I like <laughs> Universal. I like Universal. Um I always used to be like, I'm a Disney guy. I'll never go to Universal. And then my girlfriend was like, we're going to Halloween Horror Nights. I love <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, yeah. But like, when you go into like Universal without Halloween Horror Nights, it just feels like there's just something missing, in my opinion. Um, like, when you go into Disney in, without an event going on, um, 
there's atmosphere there's live entertainment it's like you know things are like bubbling around you like things are happening whereas universal can sometimes feel a little bit too much like just like a theme park it's like oh we're going to go on rides whereas with halloween horror nights it's like this is an immersive experience and um i almost feel like with the disney ticketed events um it can sometimes spoil some of that because there's so much going on and it's so busy that it sometimes removes some of the immersiveness of of the ticket event like the halloween christmas parties i also pick the christmas party over halloween party because i'm a halloween horror nights guy but you know um yeah that that's a long answer for (laughs) (laughs) no like I, i i do understand what you say like disney and universal are definitely different but i think I mean, I, I love all the theme parks. I'm I'm a I'm a all the theme parks kind of gal, and I'm a big thrill seeker as well. So that's why I'm I try and fight Universal's corner all the time. Do you <laughs> but, like, do you go to Bush Gardens, Tampa, and do you go yeah, to and Sea World? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like you know, um, I've I've been there and like Mako's great. Mako's fantastic. Love the, that. Yeah, the, I'm that. a big coaster person and a big thrill seeker. So that's why I like that side of things and then I also love the Disney magic and the 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 atmosphere and stuff like that but I do think you can get that sometimes in Universal uh mm. but obviously it's it's very different you're right it's different yeah it could be just that I'm, I'm not a massive fan of the IP at Universal like yeah. a, I love Jurassic Park so I really enjoyed that section but like their their Marvel section didn't really do much for me because it's not the Marvel which I like and um and Harry Potter I know this is sacrilege I'm a British person but Okay, okay, get this. I've never read a Harry Potter book. <gasps> You're, you have uh, to get your British not passport. Only, not only have it. I never read a Harry Potter book, but when Harry Potter first came out, when I was like, I can't remember, like uh, six years old or so, um, everyone in my class was reading Harry Potter. And I picked up Harry Potter and I read the first page. And I read the first page, I closed the book and I was like, that's not going anywhere. So uh, <laughs> oh, no. I was wrong, but... Uh, yeah. But I also looked at like this great big huge book. I was like, that's too much work. Uh, that's <laughs> along my mind. Like, I'm not getting invested in that. No. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I like the movies, but I don't, I don't, I've never been interested in the books. So I guess it kind of answers the next question <laughs> <laughs> Galaxy's Edge or Diagon Alley? You know what, though? Despite saying that, I do really respect what they've done with, with mm-hmm. the theming of Harry Potter. I do actually prefer. Um, you know the the other section of of Harry Potter, which is uh, what's it called? Hogsmeade. Not Gungo- Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade. That's it. Um, I prefer that theming to Diagon Alley because I, I mean I, I guess from a, from a British perspective, you know Diagon Alley isn't actually that different to many of what we see streets yeah. in our in our own country. You know, it, to Americans, it's like whoa, you know, this is completely different. To us, it's like have I just actually just taken the wrong street in a town? <laughs> country? You know, like. It does feel a little bit like that. You know, we see marketplaces and stuff like that in our country. And um, and so, yeah, I don't really feel like the Diagon Alley theming, but, but Gringotts, the theming for that is fantastic. Uh, the ride is not so great, but the theming leading into it is is great. Um, but yeah, and then obviously um, uh, Hogwarts is fantastic. It's an incredible theme. But I'm a, I'm a Star Wars guy, so I've always let Star Wars edge out Harry Potter, in, in my opinion. Early morning or late night park visit? Oh, late late night every single time. I'm, I'm never ever going to be a rope drop guy. I uh, <laughs> I will always want to go to a park around 
because when you live out there, like I, I love to go there like two hours before close. Just, just go around there for like two hours, and then that way, most people have actually left, and um, the rides are down to like ten minute waits, and it's just, it's just beautiful. You can ride like three or four rides, grab a drink, um, and and just have a good time down the park. And I, it's kind of almost spoiled me for when I need to go to a park for like a full day like when i go to disneyland paris or disneyland and I, i'm staying in a hotel and i do a full day because like i'm exhausted by the end of the day more so than i ever would would have been before raring to go but now i'm a bit oh, i just wish i could like spend longer here and just go in there like for two hours each day at night you know when it's, it's low crowds but, on a few um, of our recent trips we've been tried to split our days so we get up early do rope drop go back to the hotel middle of the day when it gets too hot and then go out in the evening and just do park to close that's that's a really good idea yeah yeah um i i we we tried to do more of that in disneyland paris me and my girlfriend this year uh you know we we tried to avoid rope drop altogether because it i just hate the, the standing around and like racing other people and nowadays especially with covid like it's non-existent you shouldn't be doing that anyway um but yeah no it, it's it's a difficult one but uh, i'll always be a later late night guy for the parks Keep the magic or backstage detail? Mm, that's, well, I I can't, it's it's definitely uh, backstage detail for me because I, I've ruined the magic for myself in many ways because like I know how everything works. So for me, but then again, it was never, for me, it was always about learning how everything works. Um, I, I feel like you can keep the magic um, intact even by knowing the backstage detail. Um, for me, when I was like 13 or 14, I remember seeing that one on Disney on the Discovery Channel, you know, like the how things work, you know, or how it's made, you know, that kind of thing. And it was like secrets of Walt Disney World. And, and it was, uh, they've got Utilidors and, you know, Animal Kingdom's an oil rig and stuff like that, you know, the Tree of Life. And I, I, that kind of like really sparked my interest for like behind the scenes stuff, you know, backstage um, infrastructure things. And uh, yeah, so I would always love to see how they make magic because I feel like that makes me appreciate it so much more. This might be a controversial one for you. Uh, favorite other podcast or vlogger about Disney? <laughs> well, I'll, I'm not going to say podcast because I'm on your, your podcast right now. Um, <laughs> I'll be diplomatic there. Uh, but I don't actually listen. I used to listen to quite a few Disney podcasts. Um, and I, I still listen to the Diz every once in a while. But, like, my my podcast listening uh, varies at uh, different points. Um, so, like, at the moment, I'm very much watch, uh, listening to a lot of election podcasts with uh, the United States presidential election coming up. Um, and so I'm listening to a lot of, like, polling that is boring but a lot of that sort of stuff in my podcast feed but and i'm also a big technology guy so i listen to a lot of tech podcasts as well but um in terms of disney vlogger i would always recommend michael k as as a great vlogger around the disney parks um and i would also there's there's many great channels out there obviously defunct land tpm vids midway to main street rob plays who's recently changed his name to midway to main street i've got uh, Yesterworld, um, Park Ride History is fantastic as well. There's just so many good ones. Um, and I just love the fact that there is such a uh, wealth of, of um, depth of content on, on YouTube for the Disney fans. Like every other like section of Disney or fandom, like, you know, maybe get one or two channels, but like, ex- except for Star Wars, which probably has quite a lot. But, um, you know, you, you've got a huge choice of disney 
huge. And they're also different as well. Like there there's there's barely any that are the same, you know, everyone's personality is different and stuff. It's 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 great. It's so much content. Yeah. Okay, so last quick fire question. <laughs> uh on site or off site? Off site. I've always been an off site guy. Uh some cheap. So uh yeah, <laughs> if I I'll self site. <laughs> so where where can... where do you like to stay off site? Is it like hotels, villas? So, or you probably stay with your, your girlfriend out well, I I yeah, because we rent together out in America. So I've actually got a house um nearby that we rent. Um so it's easy for me now to and we moved from an apartment to a house recently, which was a whole I mean I didn't have to do anything because I'm stuck in the <laughs> But, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again, Sierra, for that. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, in terms of, uh, like, Disneyland Paris, I stay at uh, the ones in, um, I'm trying to remember the name, Relais Spa and the High Park uh, one in, uh, what's the village nearby called again? Um, Val up and those ones nearby there it's just fantastic i mean i've stayed at the campsites nearby disneyland Palace as well um but yeah i've always been more of an off part off-site guy um and in disney world we always used to stay at buena vista palace which is right next to marketplace or or disney springs now um so we were always the off-site family uh, that used to you know stay close to property but never on property yeah i remember our first trip we were off-site Dad was trying to save money. We stayed at the the Econo Lodge, uh, Main Gate East. It's just it was just one of the motels. It was like I think it was about <laughs> it's on one nine two. It's is it off yeah. one nine two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I try to pass those all the time. Those those motels and all. I mean, but that's the thing. It's like that was the original. You know, like that's yeah. where all the offsite hotels were originally when Walt Disney World opened. One nine two was where it was happening. You know, and then obviously when Disney like really started to expand like Hotel Boulevard and stuff like that around there, like a lot of things changed with the Marriott and, and Buena Vista Palace and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. My family was the same. Like we never stayed on site. I only started staying on site when I started to go by myself um, mm. and could afford it. But my family was cheap too. It's all good. <laughs> 100%. More money to spend in the parks. I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we never went with family. We our first Disney trip was um, our honeymoon when we were, where do we stay? SeaWorld. Uh, double trip. Double trip at SeaWorld. Right, yeah. Because so. they've also got the um, the Renaissance set, haven't they? What's yeah. it called? SeaWorld yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. conference centre on it as well, isn't yeah. it? So what made you want to go and, like, that's, that's a pretty daring choice for, like, the honeymoon if you didn't, if you never experienced Disney World. Originally, I think the plan when we went into Travel Agent, we, we decided on... We wanted to do a really big trip where we went to Florida and New York and Niagara Falls, but they said it wasn't possible, so we kind of had to... Florida and New York. And you could have done New York and Niagara Falls, but yeah, you'd have had to drive to Florida, yeah. I think, or Florida, yeah. Or yeah. And it was like, I think they just said, like, you're not going to be able to, or we couldn't, or they couldn't offer us a tour that yeah. would cover Package. everything and package them. So it was like, what do we do? Let's just we... pick apart. And we'd never been to Florida. Yeah. We'd both always wanted to go. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now you're never left. Now we're hooked. <laughs> how many times have you been back since? Every year. Every year. <laughs> I don't know how long. About seven. Seven yeah. times. Think, and yeah. Lloyd? Um, for uh, probably about 
13, 14 times. Walt Disney World? Yeah. That's yeah, so that's, that's when I'm, I was young I'm, as well. I'm 10. I'm 10, Sammy? so Lloyd just beats me. 10 and Walt Disney yeah, I... Lloyd, Lloyd is much older than me. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd, got anything to say about that? <laughs> it's just that's you know. true. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue with Father Time. <laughs> uh, um, mine's a lot lower. My, my count before I like started um, the channel was around four. And my Disneyland Paris one was like 13 or 14. So like we always like, because we always used to holiday in Europe and, and travel across fairs, we'd always do Disneyland Paris. But uh, Walt Disney World first, like I did it three, we did it 95, 96, 98. And then like we left it for a bit and we, would, we did New York and stuff in between and Tennessee. But then we went and did it in 2005. And then it was, a, well, you know, it was a good amount of time before I went back there. My brother went back there with his girlfriend and he went there with his wife, uh, his, yeah, later on. But like, it, it wasn't until 2018 that I finally returned to Walt Disney World um, because I'd been to Disneyland Paris and, and I'd also been to Disneyland in 2014. And so like, I'd been to America a lot, but like, um, hadn't been back to Walt Disney World for a while. And now, and then, 2018 I went back out there in August September and then I was like whoa I'm I want to now try it because I went I took my sister out there because she was really wanting to go back out there so we went out there together you know company that kind of thing and then I was like no I actually want to go out there again for like three weeks stay in a condo and experience American life as I as I saw it and see if I could live out here eventually you know see see if it'd be something I'd want to do and so I um came home and I told my family I was like I'm going back out there um and it was the end of October I went back out there uh, so it was around six weeks seven weeks later I flew back out there and um I met my girlfriend and and that was it basically for <laughs> that's, that's that's the story and um and so you know I then flew back out there in, in January and February last year and did it in uh, May and June and then obviously towards the end of last year as well when I you know for rise of resistance so I wouldn't I, I now can't really give a count for my because yeah. now I live out like, there so I, I always say I always say five times and then I start living out there but yeah yeah, yeah that's that's something I was going to ask is that something you're kind of working towards like to live in out there yeah I mean I wouldn't when I say living out there I mean obviously I'm only visiting but yeah. um and it's an extended visit in many ways um, because, you know, I, I officially live in the UK still at the moment yeah. and I haven't been out there for seven, no, actually since December last year, I haven't been out there. So it's been a while. Um, but yeah, my plan is to eventually move out there um, and we'll, we'll, yeah, I'll be out there permanently, but you know, it's, it's on the cards. Um, yeah, there's I, no like rush or anything. You're just kind of like, used, as it well, comes. I, I was hoping to have it done this year um, before <laughs> Uh, pandemic hit but like now god knows when when all that will happen basically so uh if i just manage to get out there to visit my girlfriend again um for a couple of months i'll be happy with that i'll take that yeah. quite quite happily um and then you know look to resume our plans over next year uh yeah when we've got our bug of disney trips it isn't turned into more of an investment now where we've got dvc Right. So okay. We, a few years ago, it's like we were paying every year till everything would work out the way we wanted it to, and it's like we like staying on site. We, we we did it a few times, and it's like we went in on our second trip. We did the tour where you sort of 
they talk to you and tell you everything about timeshare and everything about it and it's yeah. we thought can't afford that we're gonna leave it and then two years later it's like we could do it let's just do it and we, we haven't <laughs> yeah. just now being able to stay in more the properties that we can at disney is just amazing yeah no i i remember being out there the uh back in like 95 when like the time you know the timeshare thing was like beginning and my parents like went to one of the timeshare things on a boardwalk or something and uh i remember like they took my younger sister with them and they took my older brother with them and they just left me and my other brother kiddies like um i don't know like nursery thing and we were just left there like watching lion king we're like why have we been separated from the rest of the <laughs> what's going on you know and we were like okay this is cool but like we're on a disney world holiday and we've just been left in this like jungle themed room like what's going on here and it, <laughs> i still remember, remember that to this day but i remember also looking around one of the houses in celebration when that was being developed and uh and my dad being like we might live here one day and, and obviously we never did but um but yeah I, I i do you guys ever walk around celebration when you go to walk disney or do you ever go there and visit? We, we've never been it's just because we've never hired a car yet yeah we'd like to yeah we'd be nice yeah. to visit no i don't drive so <laughs> no. No. lloyd we've never been but it's one of because we're kind of not really going to do the parks, I think, in May. I think we're going to only do a couple of days. We're going to go and see Celebration, walk around the lake, I think. And yeah, it, it's check not, it, out. It, it does, it's not as Disney as it used to be. Um, obviously, because obviously Disney, like, you know, their, their association with it kind of like ended, their contract with it ended a while back. But it still feels like a, like a, a model, like, town in many ways. And, um, and it's a really nice place to walk around. Uh, it, it's not real Florida. Uh, having lived out there and seeing real Florida, it's not. It's a it's a um, manufactured version of because obviously that's what it is. It was Disney creating like an idealized, yeah. like they did with Disney Springs. It's like an idealized version of the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, if you if you head on out to like Winter Park or Winter Garden and Win, uh, Windermere area, like you'll see like real Florida. Like you can head to some like real like smaller places nearby Orlando and see a bit more of that but um do you guys ever go to Target when you go out to Florida do you ever like make a trip <laughs> yeah. to the yeah. yeah 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 we tend to end up at Publix yeah we've always ended up in Walmart or Publix yeah I really I really want a pub sub like I'm dying for a pub sub because <laughs> like they like everyone talks about them so like I've only been to Walmart and Target so next time I'll definitely need to go to Publix have you ever been to a Wawa no. A Wawa. Okay. Um, that is fantastic. I love Wawa. Um, it's actually been bought by the same people that own Publix. Uh-huh. Publix bought Wawa. And, but Publix and Target, like their targets, like, I love Target. I mean, I don't like walking around the supermarkets in the UK, but you, you go to Target and be like, oh, this is actually quite a nice experience. I quite enjoy it. That's how I walk around it for a while. You know, um, it's just because it's so well lit, I think. I think it's like, it, it doesn't feel as supermarkety. As the UK ones, but is Wawa another supermarket? Wawa is a I know it sounds stupid, but it's a petrol station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool, but it's not really a it's a petrol station with like a subway like built into it, so okay. they do Wawa subs. Ooh, and okay. their Wawa subs are amazing. Nice. Um, I think they're they're better than pub sub, but pub subs are good as well. But yeah. um, you can get some really good Wawa subs. Yeah. Need to add that to the list thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and their, their cash machines as well don't charge you a fee for withdrawing cash like others do. <laughs> Wawa's. Very specific. Yeah, I remember reading that about them. 
I I'm, I've never got because I when I go out there I got one of the you know like a travel card like a currency card thing yeah. and I use that instead and so I don't whenever I I'm out and about I try and avoid using cash wherever I can except for the fact that my my girlfriend thinks I'm very weird because I travel around in a rental car with like a bunch of one dollar bills and she's like what are those for Jack I'm like it's nothing to, like honest to God it's <laughs> the reason why I carry around one one dollar bills is this reason okay. Yeah. When you're driving around Florida, you end up on a lot of toll roads. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing worse than arriving at a toll road or a toll booth and not being able to pay it. And when you rent a car, they try and upsell you the, hey, why don't you buy the Florida Pass or whatever it is. And it's, it's stupidly expensive because I'm not like the Sun Pass. I'm not going to be like traveling that much on the toll roads, but I will occasionally need to travel on a toll road. So like, I, travel, I travel around $1 bill and stuff. I can easily do it. And... Um, and last year, I was caught out, and I went to a toll thing without uh, paying the, the $1 bill or whatever it was. And they, they got me for, like, 20 quid when I got home. <laughs> and so, like, now I'm always traveling around with, with some dollar bills on me. And uh, it's also That's practical. It's also good for tipping as well. Like, if ever you're at a restaurant and, like, you just want to throw down a couple of dollars, yeah. like, it's always good to have $1 bills, I think, personally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we learned that after our first trip. It was, like when we get the sort of money exchanged at um, Sainsbury's, it was like, okay, we've got everything and it's the smallest thing we've got is $20. Yeah. It's just yeah. something you don't no. think about and it's like, okay, we're going to have to tip. We haven't got anything to... I know, it's so awkward to ask for change. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. The, the tipping thing in, in America is like something I'm getting used to, but I'm still not completely used to it. You know, yeah. I know you meant to and, and I, I do tip, obviously, but like, it, it, it is foreign to me. It's still, I mean, even after being out there, you know, and visiting so often, um, it's still very weird to me to to uh, know how how to and when to. Um, and it's yeah. ba- if, if you're wondering and, when, yeah. you should always, basically. Like, yeah. it, it's always. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I've only not tipped once, and that was by accident because we completely forgot. This was I not on, wish, a, on our last day. I just day wish they like, paid like yeah. a proper wage. Like if they just paid their service service industry like you know a proper wage, like they raised the minimum wage for their their service staff, then tipping, you know, and it's it's much like when you're buying in America and they don't have value added tax built in, you know, it's the tax on top, and it's just like oh, so that product isn't the amount that I was going to pay. It's now actually I didn't work out. It's another two dollars on top. I know that's so. I just don't get that. <laughs> so, yeah, confusing yeah. because we were in Paris so, this year. We did I thought, oh, we've got our tax to that, but no, we're in Paris. We're not in Florida, so it's just <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just weird. confusing. But it just feels strange that they like it's this extra stuff that you you just thought they would be able to work out how to build it into the price, you know. Anyway. Yeah. So should we go back to basics and kind of talk about where and when your first trip to a Disney park was? Yeah. Sure. Um, First first trip was when in '92 when I was nine months old or no actually eleven months old. Um, Were you born in '92? I was born in '92. I was born in '91. '91. Ah, I'm a '91 baby. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm coming up on 29 soon. Um, but uh, yeah, basically my granddad um, always he he's the one who got us all hooked on Walt Disney World and Disney parks because like. He'd been out there when he was, um, he did a lot of like work in America and like sales work in America, traveled all across America. And I remember him telling me a, a, a time when he 
went on the Matterhorn in in Disneyland in a business suit. Like he just turned up there one day and like, I'm gonna go to Disneyland and like hopped on the Matterhorn in his business suit with his with his friend. And like he what he what got him interested is like he wanted to go out there and see Epcot not long after it opened. Um and then like he went out there again with my grandma and again and again. And he's like, guy, yeah, he told his kids, you've got to take their, your kids to Walt Disney World. And my dad was like, mm, maybe it's a lot of money, but you know, we'll go to Euro Disney instead. So they went to Euro Disney and then that hooked my dad. And my dad was like, okay, we'll go to Walt Disney World in 95. But um, yeah, so my first visit was 92 to Euro Disney and then 95 to Walt Disney World. And do you remember much of it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, as a, as a, tra- a, a very of, small baby. I've got a couple of vivid memories from when I was like very young in Walt Disney World. And so one of my favorite memories is like, you know, when it has a torrential downpour in, in Florida? Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time me and my brother just like ran out there. And it's like we lay down on the, on the concrete floor right in front of the Magic Kingdom hub, you know, like um, outside the main gate. It's about, ah, you know, in, in, in the rain. See, the ground is so hot. And yet you're being rained on, and like it, it's just like contrast is like so weird. Um, and you know, I I have a lot of like small memories from like '95, '96, you know, because I was so young. Um, but obviously, I've got uh, bigger memories from when I was a bit older. Uh, like f- for instance, in Disneyland Paris, I remember being chased around the park by Captain Hook. Um, like literally i'm i was terrified of captain i still am sort of terrified of captain hook <laughs> because it was trauma it was a traumatic experience but basically i was always a bit scared of like going near captain hook and my dad thought it'd be funny if he went over to captain hook whispered in to captain hook my son's over there go say hi so captain hook like looks around like you can see a terrified kid comes and whoever whoever's running whoever was in that who manic it was like you know crazy because they, <laughs> they chased me and my sister into a shop me and my sister ran into the emporium and like huddled in the corner like terrified and like we see captain hook at the door and we're like he's actually gonna come into a bloody shop you know <laughs> so we're terrified there and like my mum's like trying to protect us like don't worry they're fine and like my brothers who are a bit older like loving this and like loving the wind up of the whole thing like oh he's in there that kind of thing so we got out we got onto the omnibus you know like the the caged bus thing and we got on there and he sees us get on there and he runs he finishes (laughs) off his meeting runs after the omnibus puts his hook onto the back of the omnibus and like lets go of it just before like you know any any other issue happened but it was bloody terrifying. So that yeah, sounds um, so traumatizing for a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Disneyland Paris for you. Uh, yeah. Rules go out the window in Disneyland Paris. So, oh, we know. Um, we know. Yeah, <laughs> catcher. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> so um, that was one of my <laughs> Disney memories there. But um, yeah, now I've got a lot of fond memories of the Disney parks as well. I mean, I got lost in MGM when I was uh, in '95 and '96. Uh, that was another one where. We were walking down um, Hollywood Boulevard and like my parents turned around like, where's Jack? I'm like, I wasn't there. <laughs> and I was actually in left in one of the shops in, you know, like near the, near the front gate, like near there. And um, like my brothers and my dad ran back down Hollywood Boulevard chasing down. And I was just like stood there holding a cast member's hand just like, so everything's all right, yeah. So I'm a lost child in, Disney, in, in <laughs> Disney's Hollywood studios. So yeah, I've been a lost child as well. Oh, no. <laughs> do you remember when the um, do you remember when the experiences stopped being so traumatic and then um, when they when it developed into like 
a spark of love for Disney. Do you remember it's when that happened? It still never has, Lloyd. It still never has. It's still trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still terrified when I meet Mickey. No, yeah. um, I no. Obviously, it. I've I've got a lot of good memories, but I feel like the the traumatic ones when you're younger, or not traumatic, more eventful ones when you're young, kind of stick out because they're like they're funny stories to tell. Number one and number two, like they're just eventful. Like not a lot of people have those kind of things happen to them. So, um, but obviously, you know, I I just I've got a lot of fond memories of like riding Pirates of the Caribbean like late at night, over and over and over again. If you catch it when the fireworks gone, you can just do it over. And I'm um, I'm a big Pirates fan. And Spaceship Earth and just marvelling at that when I was like very young. I was like, you know, going up into there and being told, oh, I'm going around a boat. Yeah, this huge globe. Like, I'm going around it. Like, am I upside down? Like, not even knowing what was happening. Like, couldn't even fathom it in my mind. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've got a lot of fond memories and, and illuminations when I was like 13, like watching that on the final night of the holiday and like just making me cry because it was just like, you know, going home tomorrow but also i don't want to go home yeah that kind of thing so yeah a lot of fond memories do you, do you remember when it turned into sort of um more of a life for you something that you knew you'd always be going back to and something that was going to feature so highly yeah no i think it was i think it was when i like i said with the discovery channel thing when when i was on 13 over one of the summer holidays and that that yeah i was like got really into like Disney history and finding out all about Walt Disney and it where it changed for me is like it changed from Disney and Disney animation and like the parks and like oh you know this is what we go do for fun to finding out about Walt Disney and there was a man behind it and like the Imagineers behind it and like it made it real for me it was like oh an actual fact this is a company this is something that I can maybe do one day and you know and be a part of rather than just experience and so that's where it kind of like changed me when I was like 13 years old and I like became a big Disney fan from that perspective of like no I actually I, I love the company more more than just the movies I, I became more of a fan of the behind the scenes stuff and the company itself and what it stood for and and what made you kind of turn that into a YouTube channel or um or was it even was YouTube the first thing you thought of to kind of um, get your passion out for Disney or like how did that all come about so it's it's a, a longer story but I'll try and make it a very short one but um so I'll skip over some stuff but essentially when I came out of university I, I started like I tried to go independent and and, and uh, start my own business and like I failed a couple of times quite a few times actually at uh, different ideas and projects and like I started up doing app development and things like that and when I was doing a certain app, I was getting very bogged down with like, you know, um, very uh, obsessed with it in many ways. Like, you know, oh, I need to make sure this app is perfect before it's released. And I remember my brother being like, you know, you need to work on something else just to like refresh your creativity. And I was like, yeah, well, I love Disney, but like, you know, I wish there was a Disney news app. Um, and he was like, well, we'll make one then. So like, I made an like a very simplistic RSS, but very themed to Disney, like tickets coming in and out and stuff like that. I designed that and like, it got rejected from Apple. Apple were like, no, IP, you can't use it, copyright, yeah. done. So therefore, like a year later, I came back to it. I was like, if I restructure it in a different way and like take out like the logos, or, like the Disney logos, which obviously were going to be copyright issues, um, an idiot at the time didn't realize that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I took out all that. It got approved and I started off doing DSMY Digest. And I was posting every single day to this app, news articles and stuff like that, that would be formed. And it had an okay following. It had around... 
8,000 downloads and it had like 300 active users a day and it eventually grew to like 700 active users a day or so. And um, but the whole idea behind that was I was wanting to send a idea along to Disney because I have this idea for, and it's actually in the background of every single one of my videos. It's a, um, it's a thing that sits in the frame and off to the left-hand side on, on the table. And it was a, a proposal which I actually ended up sending to Disney. I, I spent like a year working on it because uh, I did marketing business at university and branding. And I was like, no, there's a much better way to communicate with your audience than just paying, number one, paying a lot in advertising. And number two, um, relying upon these social networks to deliver your message. Because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, TikTok's now boomed, Snapchat's kind of gone away. You know, it's just like Vine, yeah. everything else like comes up and goes down so quickly. And I was like, no, you need to, your Disney. You should have a network of your own that you control that will build that you can build into a streaming service as well so that you can have like watch parties and like have show what you're watching and discuss with, with the other Disney friends and I called it the Disney universe and it, I was trying to show that my app which had like 155 star reviews like there's a there's a, a real need for this and people would really want this so I sent this to Disney and basically I got a message back saying thanks but no thanks uh, here's a legal thing saying you can't send us proposals. We don't take unsolicited proposals from you. So that's at the end of 2016. I was like, uh, you know, a bit deflated. Spent a whole year of my life working on this bloody thing. And I'll, I'll probably do it in one of the videos eventually. I'll probably ex actually open up the book and, and show you what went into it. Um, but, yeah, I designed the interface for, like, a social network, a Disney social network and everything. And, um, and then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to... I'm going to show them that the idea works. People want Disney news. And I decided if they won't, if I can't get their attention with a proposal I've sent to them, I'll demonstrate to them on YouTube. And I gave myself around three weeks and I started up the channel. And I was like, if it doesn't take off in three or four weeks, then clearly, you know, there wasn't much of a demand for it. And uh, within like three or four weeks, I'd, I'd got a huge following. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I was already like, Within the first month, I'd already like had a video that hit like nine or ten thousand views or so, and like a month and a half later, I was at like a thousand subscribers, and I was like, "Whoa, there's something to this." And one of my videos like skyrocketed off to like two hundred thousand views within the first like month or month and a half, and I was just like, "I'm releasing a video as, as quickly as I can." I I was like, "You need to give the audience a name," so I was like, "Walt Disney's," because I love Walt Disney and Imagineering, and I'm like Walt Disney's, obviously. Um, and it just basically all took off from there. And I haven't really looked back since. Uh, I quit my full-time job around six or seven months afterwards because, yeah, I I was making okay money off the YouTube advertising, but it was it was sufficient enough to be like, I can I can supplement my my lifestyle with that instead of the other thing, and I can also focus on the channel more. And then the ad apocalypse happened, and Logan Paul like you know idiot he is in the end of 2017 and uh and then i was like oh great i've just gone self-employed again and um where's my money now <laughs> i don't have any money yeah. coming in um and i think that's a lot of, that's another thing that a lot of people don't get is like you should start doing what you want to do out of a love of love of doing it but people often like oh how dare you try and monetize it but in actual fact you know, it gets to a point where if you don't monetize it, number one, you, you, you're stupid if you're not going to try and monetize it eventually, because um, 
it pays for my visits to Walt Disney World and, and it also means that I can go and experience more stuff and bring it to the channel and stuff like that. But also, um, you know, we've all got, you've got all got lives to live and things to pay for and rent to pay and stuff like that. So why not? Um, you, you obviously need to monetize at some point. So I get some people, some people every once in a while say like, you know, uh, you should just be doing it for the love of it, love of it, which I am. Obviously, I wouldn't be still be doing it. I'd be trying to monetize every single aspect of it if I was just doing it for money. Yeah. Um, but you know, oftentimes I've left so much. Like, there's so many things I should be doing to try and like build the channel and like, but I don't because I'm just like so focused on the latest like Disney idea I've got instead of actually um, like looking at it like a true business in many ways. I'm just like, oh, I, I just really want to talk about like a better way for like princess and the frog to be in the disney park or something like that. Like, i really just want to talk about that today instead so yeah you just yeah. gotta keep it fun isn't it that, that's the whole point of yeah. it it's well, is why we started the podcast never... after admit it's like we wanted just something we we were listening to a disney podcast that had finished and it's like oh there was like a gap that we thought and it was just like which one was that um the dibcast uh, I've, I've heard of quite a lot of them, like dis dis geek news and, yeah, and uh... it was based from the dib website Oh, okay. um, there was just it going going for a few years and had various presenter changes and it was like it just sort of oh that stopped then we just thought maybe if we just got together and I sent a message out and it just all started from there. Yeah, mm, really but cool. it's it's interesting you should talk about the whole debate about monetization versus no monetization because we actually had a not on an episode but like between ourselves we, we had a chat um and some presenters were for it and some were against it so it's a really interesting thing that you mm. would you would bring up i'm completely for it uh, i feel like um if you're putting out free content if people want to pay for it um and people kind of like are watching you then you deserve to to kind of get for it to be monetized that's my view on it anyway i i mean i just feel like nothing in this world is free yeah. whether you like it or not nothing in this world is free and everyone's got you know even if you did do it for free you've still got to find a way of monetizing it to like pay it's like you know um to be financially stable from that kind of yeah. standpoint and um i feel like a lot of, i feel like people who do comment like oh you should be doing it because you should be doing it for free i feel just either don't get don't understand like the logistics of like running content and like the the cost involved and just like buying all the equipment or hosting a podcast and you know having an actual website you you upload your podcast to to host it and stuff like that and all the other stuff that goes into it all the time consuming things that you could be spending on work and doing other stuff um because obviously you know you shouldn't just start something because you feel like there's money in it because i i truly believe if you ever start something just for the sake of doing it for money you won't last at it because you you need to have a love for something um you might last at it but i don't know you it won't fulfill you certain, yeah like, certainly yeah. me i i need to have something that gives me joy to to continue doing it and yeah. doing what i do with news and and stuff like that gives me huge amounts of joy um i'm very fortunate to have the channel i have and the following i have and um and i've, I've been very lucky in many ways but also a lot of hard work's gone into it yeah that i, th I think you're right with a lot of people who don't understand what goes into creating free content basically you know it's mm. it's it's hard work if i ever gave a piece of advice to anybody it's, it's always persistence because like i failed probably five or six times before i ever got successful with dsy newscast like 
you know, that that failure of the, the presentation beforehand and the app beforehand and the other app beforehand and the other thing, but like you look at Walt Disney's life and like he failed, he had things ripped away from him, like Oswald, and he had he failed with the Alice comedies and he failed with like he had many failures beforehand and like it's sort of traumatic for him because like he was always looking over his shoulder, but also it makes you appreciate and not take for granted your success uh, when you when you do succeed and it makes you like. Uh, grateful for it and that's one thing that's it humbled me a lot when I started build up that following I was like whoa you know how fortunate am I and how lucky am I to have this following but you know everything in life is a combination of luck and hard work and if you can just get a tiny bit of luck at the right time combined with a huge amount of hard work you're okay and it's just persistence to keep doing it 100% yeah um we've got um Another controversial question. <laughs> I love the controversial question. Uh, 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 so, if you've got to choose one of these, Jack, Festival yep. of the Lion King or Finding Nemo the Musical? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So here, here's the simple answer. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get like, yeah, I'm, yeah, people aren't gonna like this. I've never heard. I've never watched either of them. Okay. Oh. Now, I'll explain what? the reason why. I'll explain the reason why. I'm a, I'm a rides guy, okay? I love attractions. And I don't mind some entertainment, but I've never been hugely into entertainment. I love a good nighttime show. I love a good nighttime spectacular. I'll stand there and wait many, many, uh, you know, half an hour and stuff like that just to get a good spot for, like, illuminations or or happily ever after and stuff like that. But I've, I've never been hugely into the shows. Um, they're fantastic. They really are. I've got friends in entertainment and stuff like that who I know who work so hard on these shows. But I've never really been a huge fan of, of, of entertainment in that kind of perspective. I've just never really done it that much. So the thing is, though, I one, one of my friends wants to desperately get me to go to uh, Festival of Lion King Folk um, for, to go watch that. And look, it looks incredible, but... Um, you know, they're the songs which I already know. The acrobatics do look great, but I love the music of like Big Blue World and stuff like that from the Nemo ride more. So I, I don't know if I can really be the final sway because I have never really watched either. But if I had to, I would say Nemo. I would yes. say Nemo. Um, sure. I, if you had to, having never seen either one of them, if you presented both those options to me and you're like, maybe go watch one or the other. I would head off to go see Nemo rather than, than Festival of Lion King because from what I've seen of Festival of Lion King, it's all the same songs which I already know, whereas the Finding Nemo musical, um, it's the potential of hearing new songs which I've never heard before, which I think is just more interesting from my perspective. Um, obviously, both both performances are great. You can't really go wrong, but um, yeah, I have a big Blue World song. Like I love that. So I love yeah. Go With The Flow. Oh, that's I, I, haven't seen I love it, it so much. I don't know. I don't know. But um, that's yeah, one think, of the things I want to do. I think we should set you the challenge of the next time you're there, you have to see both shows and let us know. I will. Yeah. I'll, I've got. Well, my girlfriend, she said that I have to go see Festival of Lion King the next time I'm out. So I'm guessing. And I'll, you're I'll telling you, you have to go and see Finding Nemo. <laughs> she won't go see Finding Nemo. You see, she won't go see Finding Nemo with me because she's creeped out by the puppets. She didn't <laughs> like the puppets. So like. I don't know. I, I'll have to go watch that by myself, but um, <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. I have to admit, our vote's always been for Lion King, but yeah. um, the, we were lucky that we went to Disneyland Paris a few weeks ago and saw Rhythm of the Pride Lands, and I think that's the best show Disney has ever put together. What do you think of Magical Map? The not Magical Map, um, Mickey the Magician. 
I love it. You I hate... don't like it. No? I no. really quite like it. I, I, I think it was quite good. Like, I quite liked yeah. it. Yeah. It's quite yeah. interesting way of doing it. It's Lloyd's never been to Disneyland Paris. No. No. Um, the, other, the other shows which, like, I love, I know it's not really a show, but, like, Tough to Be a Bug, I love that. Um, you know, the uh, the Pollinators and stuff like that. You know, the Without Us. You know, that one, the, the song with the bugs at the end. I love that. Uh, the bees and stuff but um no it i i'm muppet vision i, I watch like those kind of shows but i don't if, if i have to invest like an hour's worth of my time i won't always do it and that's probably bad of me to, to do that but like i went and saw american adventure and um <laughs> as a british person i came out of it and i was like you call that history we've got a thousand years of history we've got two thousand <laughs> like i can't like their history is only 250 years like where they <laughs> and like i could tell the americans around me were like this british guy seriously <laughs> and and i was like and um i was like where's the great british adventure where's that you know and we we don't even get that in our pavilion it'd be so, about uh, three hours long though we get a yeah, fresh exactly. start off with william the conqueror and then move from there you know and see, yeah. and see. If you, if you could add anything to like the UK pavilion at Epcot, would there be anything specific you'd want? Yeah, no, the Mary Poppins thing I was so excited for. Like when I saw that it wasn't just going to be a ride, it was going to be Cherry Chewy Lane they were going to basically make and build out the facades around. Because what they were going to do is like extend the facades into a courtyard in many ways. So a lot of people don't know the actual shape or design of what that was going to be, but I saw like the um the rumored design of what it was going to be and it was going to be like an l shape like finishing off that into a courtyard and i was like that's fantastic like i really wish that had happened but i i wouldn't have minded even if it was just like a carousel like i wouldn't mind if it was just like a carousel because that was what it was rumored to be was a flat ride either being a carousel or something like that some sort of basic spinner attraction with, with projected walls that's what the idea was and it's just been scrapped and um and I'm, I would I would have preferred, you know, to be honest, a um, a more elaborate ride. But even if they were to build out a proper like theatre over in Epcot, over in uh, the UK Pavilion, they could have like um, a Peter Pan show. They could have a Mary Poppins show. They could have a Alice in Wonderland show. There's there's like so many British Disney IPs that they could integrate within a into a show and make it like a best of like British almost that kind of like show. And uh, I think even that could have worked, but yeah. Um, I, I always like to go to the UK pavilion in Epcot because it reminds me, I know it sounds stupid, but it does remind me of home when I'm out there and I'm feeling a little homesick because you know, the architecture, yeah, some of the architecture is not right, but some of it is bang on. And um, Harper Goff who, who traveled the UK and, you know, is obviously a, a Disney icon and legend um he nailed it with with some of the design aspects uh i took my girlfriend to a rose and crown pub in the uk and she couldn't believe it i was like yeah no there's, there's actual pubs called rose and crown in the uk so I, <laughs> so I was joking i was like let's go and eat at the rose and crown and she's like yeah what in epcot i'm like no sierra what, five minutes in the road <laughs> pubs in the uk called rose and crown it's that cliche like they nailed it in disney yeah. like you know and she was like it's nothing like the original it's not nothing like that pub. i'm like yeah well yeah, it, it's not, but at least it's called Rose and Crown. <laughs> no, going back to what you said about um, American history, I'm, I'm curious, have you seen Hamilton? 
on Disney Plus. I have. I love Hamilton. Oh, it's I so love, good, right? It's it is so good. I I was never a huge like I never so I've never seen it on Broadway or or the West End or anything like that. Yeah, me neither. I never really heard. I heard some of the music before, but like without seeing it performed, the context is kind of lost. And like Jonathan Goff's performance as King George is just a, like a, a show stealer. Um, I personally, I've, I watched the British version of it as well. I feel like Jonathan Goff nailed it a bit better than the, the British performer. But, um, you know, it's it's just an incredible musical. And I would love to see that within the Disney parks. Oh, but yeah. I will, but I, I, I'd love to see it within the Disney parks. I love it. Love it. I a just had to know. Like, <laughs> a lot of people were like, because Disney bought the rights to Hamilton, they can integrate in the Disney parks. And it's just like, that's not how it works. Like, they yeah. Only- yeah. rights to the, the streaming rights to it they haven't actually bought the musical right yeah yeah cool mm. you talked a bit earlier about the um things you would have liked in the epcot pavilion do you think that disney are going down the right right route focusing more on their ips than original attractions so it's a good very good question i mean the ip debate you know it's a complicated one because there would be no Disneyland without IP. That's the simple thing of it. Like a lot of people say, oh, you know, IP from Disney parks, it's not what Walt would do. But when Disneyland opened, everything was IP. Like it was IP land, like to the point where, you know, they tried to tie Jungle Cruise into True Life Adventure. They even created a Tomorrowland series because it had to be IP. Like nothing was original. It was all trying to be like, you've seen it on TV. You've seen it in the movies. Come explain it. Like it was all IP. So that perspective, like, is a long history of the Disney parks of that. But I would like to see, not necessarily 50-50, but just throw us a bone every once in a while and just give us an original concept. Like, you can do 90% of your attractions can be IP, but just every once in a while, give us an original one just to shut us up. You know, us hardcore Disney fans who are like, I want another Pirates of the Caribbean, I want another Haunted Mansion. Just give us something that will shut us up, basically. And, um, and... I am concerned. A lot of people are like, IP has no place in Epcot. Um, personally, I don't think Ratatouille was the best choice for France. Um, I, I think that the work they've done there is amazing. But like, if I was to choose, I would have chosen probably Hunchback or something like that. Um, I would have liked to see maybe a Notre Dame built, like a mini Notre Dame and something like that. I don't know. The only issue of Hunchback is it doesn't really lend itself to a ride or a stage show that, that well. Yeah. Um, it's very dark, but you know, I'd have liked to see. I mean, I think it would just been awesome to see a mini Notre Dame built within Epcot. But um, so you know, IP within Disney, it does work and does work in Epcot. I thought the question was going to be about the uh, transformation and you know future world because that's a whole different thing. You know, a lot of people <laughs> are like they're angry about the direction of future world, and. To be honest, the neighbourhoods and the world celebration, nature and discovery and all that sort of stuff, uh, it's okay. But I I really hope that this like postponement and, and budget restraints and stuff like that will force the Imagineers to rethink what they were doing and like come up with a much better plan. Um, because to be honest, the interventions buildings were perfectly good. Like there was no reason to rip them down. No reason to tear down Interventions West. It was perfectly good. You could have easily turned that into a into a um, like taken out all the walls, replaced it with glass, 
it would have been beautiful. Like, um, you know, you could have made this like this glass kind of perfect building, like like almost like an Apple store in many ways, you know, like that kind of thing. But that kind of flow through the the building could have could have been brought back, and um, you could have made it look really futuristic, and you wouldn't have had to tear anything down. I just feel like it was a bit short sighted of them to do that. Um, but now they're having to, you know, pay the consequences. They're like, oh. God, you know, we've got this massive construction hole within our park. What are we going to do? You know, they're really worried now. And uh, I really hope it comes. we get something better because of it. Just just what you mentioned in Hunchback there, we did a, a, a recent segment about uh, our favourite underrated Disney movies and someone picked Hunchback. So I'd be interested to know you. What's your favourite underrated Disney movie? Uh, it's either Hunchback or uh, Hercules. Okay. Um, I love Hercules as well, and I'd love to see more Hercules rep- representation, to be honest. Yeah, but, you don't see him in the park much at all. But the song which I, I discovered, rediscovered recently, and uh, I think, yeah, is uh, Topsy Turvy by In Hunchback, you know, the Topsy Turvy Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's because it's like a big musical kind of like, you know, Topsy Turvy. You know, it's like it's it's a real power kind of like you can really sing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like those two are very underrated within the Disney parks and you never see Quasi out you never see Quasimodo yeah. out and about and um, you actually see more of Frollo out and about I think yeah. than you see Quasi and uh, Hercules is like you never see him out like yeah. he never gets any representation yeah. uh, maybe Meg, that will change Meg is one of my favourite like Meg, female yeah. characters yeah, yeah she's, she's fantastic as well and like yeah. maybe that will change with like the, the live action Hercules when it eventually comes out but you know I there's many things that Disney are doing at the moment, which I personally think they're making a lot of like it's more studio based, but a lot of like tiny missteps that they're making. Yeah. Like they're doing a haunted mansion movie again, a movie again. It's just like, and they've hired a, co- a comedic writer to write it. Now I'm not pigeonholing any writer. Like a writer can write horror as well as well as comedy, but like it's not what we want. We haunted mansion fans want like true horror not not like really bad horror but like you know dark darker a uh, bit like um that netflix show with neil patrick harris you know the um ha- not haunting of the house uh, uh limony limony split it uh, oh yeah series of unfortunate events yeah, yeah that, that thing um bit like bit that kind of like tone or stranger things kind of vibes you know we want it darker but like i personally feel and i did it in a video but like create foolish mortals as a tv show for Disney Plus, and just like make it an anthology series, so uh, you know, based around Haunted Mansion. There's many different things that Disney are doing that which just don't make yeah. sense, and they should really be going in the direction of TV. I really think that they should really be going in the direction of Mandalorian and 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 Disney Plus, and being like, you know what, theaters may not be our our best bet. You know, I know we've made billions from from theater productions and uh, theatrical releases, but you know, COVID's taught them one thing, and that is that it's a it's a fragile environment. And Anthony Fauci's only just recently come out and said, you know, we might be, and this is very depressing to say, but we might be entering an era of pandemics where, like, pandemics become more regular uh, every 10 years or so because there's not proper standards within, you know, the food industry and stuff like that. So... Disney need to really think about certain aspects. I mean, we could talk, we could probably keep talking all about masks and policies and the COVID thing in the parks and stuff, but I don't know. It's, <laughs> I've got a lot of opinions about it, but yeah. I wanted to 
to ask you a question about uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. Uh, Jack, are you creeped out by the killer clowns from outer space? Um, or am I the I, only one? I wasn't as creeped out about that. Um, Lloyd one, was a bit scared again. I knew somebody who worked in that house. So, uh, like, we went through that house and, like, uh, Sierra said to me, like, when we go into this next room, look over on your right. That's that's her friend. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, you're right. You know, like, it wasn't as creepy for me. Yeah. But one that I found really bad last year at Howard and Horror Nights was the aviation, uh, the... I've, I don't like, like, birds. I don't... I've got, like, a bit of a fear of birds, like, flying... Like, things flying around my head. And so the one that was... Um, like bird creatures, I can't remember the name oh, of it. But nightingales. Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. I didn't really like that one too much, but like none of them were so bad that uh, you know that I I, yeah. I was scared of them in many ways. But um, I I did think that the nightingale one was one which I I didn't really like the most. But yeah, as long as you get prepared, you know, as long as you're you know what's going to happen with it, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's a different. Matter. Nineteen Girls one that was that was one that made me jump the most. I think. Was it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got caught out a few times. With the same actor. I just got remember you almost crying during Killer Clowns. That's all I remember. I hate it because <laughs> that's a movie from my childhood that so was like good. scary. Then so it was just it was creepy. Did you do scary. Ghostbusters? Did you go and yeah, do that? We did. Yeah. 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 yeah me, me and Lloyd met up one night at Halloween Horror Nights last year. Yeah, Stranger Stranger Things wasn't disappointing. Good. Yeah, but I, did they do one last year? Um, yeah. yeah. Stranger Things I, uh, I season two. It, it was t- it was tied into season the, the very latest season Stranger Things, which I hadn't seen at the time. I yeah, never I never I three. never did that. I never did it because the line was too long. But yeah. we locked out and someone it gave was- us a ticket for like Ghostbusters, so we went to that one. Yeah. Have, have was that your first time at Halloween Horror Nights? Have you been before? It was. Yeah. No, it's my first time, and, and we bought like a season ticket, like a you know a multi day yeah. ticket yeah. thing. And we did it. We probably went around five or six times, and uh, and we did we did every house but Stranger Things. Yeah. We did a lot of them twice, but um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's no way they can do it in a COVID environment. No. no. Um, except for that, like drive-through scare thing, which maybe Universal should be considering. Like, if mm. Universal, I don't know how they would do it, but like maybe if they took one of their car parking structures. And like converted like two or three levels or or something like that. They could maybe do that. I don't know. It's pretty difficult for them to do because they really haven't got the land. You know where no. they do have land though. They've got that great yeah. piece of land that they're building on. Mm-hmm. You know, if they wanted to, if they if they needed to convert that, it's too late for them to do it now. But like, if they were thinking about converting anything, they could have maybe converted that into or the volcano bay. Volcano bay just shut down the car park late at night. Do they have a car park near volcano? I don't know. They've been. So, I don't think so because the uh, it's the buses that go over, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the issue of them is like if they had a massive car park, they could just turn one of their car parks into a drive-through Halloween Horror Nights, couldn't they? Yeah. But, They're just going to do the 30th anniversary next year, and hopefully yeah. I can go. Hopefully, kind of COVID <laughs> settles, and I can go. But we'll see. Well, I'll hopefully be there as well. For the next oh, cool. Yeah, we've never done one done Halloween Horror Nights, so it's sort of. I think I'll give it a miss. Come in September. Hey, it's not that scary. It's not I have that to admit, scary. I'd rather do the is it the tour that you can do during the day to see a what the houses are like. Yeah, so I'd like to see that first. Here. I think it's just more of a confidence thing doing seeing it that way first. That's how I did scary. it. No, it's, it's it not scary. It's all right. It is scary. <laughs> but like, it's a fun scary. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a fun scary. 
And then also, if you manage if you manage to get some young girls go in front of you, yeah. the scare actors will always try and scare the younger girls in front of you, and you'll know where the scares are going to happen. Then. Yeah, it's like you'll hear the screams coming. Like you'll be like, ah, oh, okay, there's going to be something scary behind the corner because you can hear. Yeah. So if you just plan it correctly in the queue and you use someone else as your guinea pig, basically. Then, I just hid behind yeah. Lloyd. Lloyd was my guinea pig. I have an idea. Sally, you can stand in front of us all the time. I just walked through it basically the entire time, holding my girlfriend's hand and being like, um, like you know, I'm ready to hit anybody. If anybody... You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> we're going to be like the fight mode. Like, the adrenaline's already up. Like, okay, anybody want to come in? <laughs> <laughs> like pure fight mode. So, no, actually, um, COVID still is around and they still kept as much of it as they could. They can't come anywhere near me. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, the scare factor there is catching COVID rather than actually. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. It's a different kind of fear. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's too real. <laughs> So, uh, Jack, where can where can listeners of the Great British Mickey Waffle and uh, Sammy find all your uh, DSMY newscast content? If you just type in DSMY newscast into YouTube, you'll you'll be able to find me somehow on YouTube. Um, I might be changing the name in the next couple of months. It might be changing to DSMY Network, but I'll still pop up because it's so SEO'd to the point where, like, you know. Uh, newscast will always pop up with network but um and then obviously on twitter instagram and all that sort of stuff i'm just dsmy newscast on all those as well and uh yeah so thanks again jack for taking the time to come and waffle with us today and thanks to all our listeners for listening to us waffle as always you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at gb mickey waffle and our youtube channel is the great british mickey waffle you can also get in touch with us by email using themickeywaffle at gmail.com. If you're listening for the first time, then don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on any of the fun stuff we have coming up. And as always, waffle, waffle on! on. <laughs>